Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program Develop. We count it an absolute honor and a privilege to have your company with us as we continue our explorations of a new series that we began a couple of episodes ago. We titled it Take Off. Take off. Essentially, the whole series, the seven-part series, is about the Holy Spirit. And I imagine if you are not a Christian, or even if you've been a Christian for a long time, or just uh, you know been a, a new Christian, you wonder what does it mean to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we've been exploring together the biblical foundation of the person and the nature of the Holy Spirit and how critically important He is for our life as followers of Jesus. I submit to you that it is probably impossible to live your full potential in Christ without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is, I would submit to you that Jesus said to the disciples that the best thing that could happen to them is that He would depart planet earth so that He could send the advocate which will, will make it such an incredible experience for them to live the life that Jesus lived on earth, died on a cross, rose again in order that his followers will live out their God-given image to live like Jesus in the world. And that is impossible without the indwelling and the ministry and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We uh, explained that the premise and the promise of this series is that you can live as if you're flying in a plane instead of walking in a plane. And we put it in this way. We said living by the flesh, that is living in your own capacities and by your own willpower and performances, as compared to living by the empowering Holy Spirit, is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. And if you have read about or you've traveled through a plane, you realize that it's a completely different way of traveling. You know, walking is ordinary, it's dependent on your own capacities, your fitness, your endurance. It's subjected to, uh, you know, to, to natural laws. But uh, flying um, uh, by a plane is a completely different story. Uh, you are carried by a completely different technology, technology that, uh, that, that defy the law of gravity. You are living in such a way because someone else's genius and someone else's abilities. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for the Christian. So you can't say, I'm walking passionately for God because I've tried this, this and that. No, you are walking passionately with God because you've been carried by the Holy Spirit. You can't take credit for loving people who are difficult because you have been carried and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can't all of the sudden, uh, you know, give people uh, uh, some ideas on how to live by their own power in a godly way because it's only the Holy Spirit 
spirit living on the inside of you that enables you to live a holy life. You can't all of the sudden write a book about how to influence people by your own intellectual and persuasive abilities when it's only by the ministration of the spirit and of power that the spirit enables you to make a difference in your world. Friends, do yourself a favor and ask God to work in you by the power of His Spirit so you can fly by a plane instead of living the slow, difficult progress of living life with God in your own ability just as it's metaphorically like walking compared to flying. And today... I want to share with you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, maybe you have heard about the work and the function of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you have been only limited to what you observed other people think of the functionality of the Holy Spirit and His work in the life of Jesus' followers. When we were teenagers... Um, um, my current wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, and I were living apart from God. We grew up in a traditional church environment, but as soon as we had the ability to make our own decisions, we didn't really follow through on the way of Jesus and what we have been privileged to learn from our parents and our Christian environments. And uh, uh, one lady uh, uh, tried to attract uh, um, uh, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time to Jesus. She was a Holy Spirit type of person, goes to a Holy Spirit church, but she has some relational connection to Susie's family. And uh, somehow she convinced Susie to come and stay with her for a couple of days. And uh, on the first night, uh, she, uh, she went into a room uh, with, uh, Susie and she switched off all the lights. She held Susie's hands and began to, to, to speak in foreign tongue and, and, and trying to force Susie to, uh, uh, to speak like her. And, and on, upon reflection, uh, Susie told me a, a little while later that that totally freaked her out. This whole thing that this friend was explaining, this is how the Holy Spirit will work in you. This is how the Holy Spirit will change your life. Well, mate had doesn't want really to know much about the Holy Spirit. It was a freaky experience. The lights are off. The lady is holding her hand tight. She's speaking in a language she doesn't understand. She's forcing her to speak in a language she doesn't get. And it's just freaky experience. And for people like me and people who love the Holy Spirit who can cause others to stumble because we are super hyper focused on one thing of the Holy Spirit and it's usually a sensational stuff that prevent people from embracing the awesome work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God and His ministry is overwhelmingly important. It's preferred 
profoundly critical for every aspect of our walk. And I want to share with you just three summary points about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I wish I had all day to go throughout the scripture and help you remember the impact and the ministry of the Spirit over our spiritual life. But I believe they are three profoundly critical ministries and functions of the Holy Spirit. The first one, if you allow me, I want to share with you that the Spirit of God convicts people. That means the Spirit of God allows us to see a new reality. Secondly, the Holy Spirit creates. He gives us a new nature. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit counsels and He gives us a new strength and new ability to live uh, this spiritual life. So I would like to just elaborate briefly on each one of those. We start from John chapter 16 from the beautiful words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in His farewell discourse as He explains to the disciples the critical importance of the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Unless I get away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's the Holy Spirit. When he comes, that is when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove or he will convict the world. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. That means he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no more. Notice that. Righteousness is associated with Jesus going to the Father and we don't see him in that form any longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world, that the enemy of our souls, now stands condemned. So allow me to explain those three components of the Spirit's ministry of conviction. The first thing, he proves the world that they are in the wrong about sin. Because the world does not get the reality that we are separated from God because we don't believe in Jesus. He said, sin because they do not believe in me. But people in general who have been separated from God do not see any problem with that. Their reality, you know, we eat, we drink, we go places, we, you know, we do politics, we do economics, we, you know, we, we, we're living fine. How could you say that we separated from life? We, we were fine. What, you can't say that we didn't trespasses and sin. We're okay. They can't see the reality from the perspective of God. They see reality from the physical, natural uh, perception around them. But Jesus said that as long as people don't believe in Him, they are separated from God. But as many as they believe in Him, they are given the right to be children of God, that they are given eternal life, that they're not condemned anymore. And the Spirit of God is the one that 
convicts, the one that allows us to see the reality that yes, we are far from God. And yes, this is not a life that is worth living. This is separation from the source of all goodness and all kindness and all love. And then as a result of that conviction, as a result of being persuaded by the Spirit that this is not the type of life that is available for us, this is not the best life, then we say to the Spirit, okay, what do I do now? How can I live life differently? And then the Spirit begins to convict us or persuade us of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness means right standing with God. Is that we are okay together. We have a harmony with God. We're no longer separated from God. We are now united to God. So how does He convince us of that? How does He implement that? He, 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 Jesus made it utterly clear that the Holy Spirit will explain to us that Jesus will no longer be seen. He will die on a cross, a substitutionary death, and then He will rise on the third day. He will ascend to the heavens and we're not going to see Him again in the same form. But how does that bring righteousness? Come on, for crying out loud. That sounds like a puzzle, but it's not. Because in Leviticus chapter 16 and verses 6 to 10, we read a bizarre but an unbelievably beautiful symbolism of this very expression of forgiveness and right standing with God. It is about a sacrificial system where they will cast the lot about two animals, two goats, for example. A sinner comes and, and he wants to offer a sacrifice to become right with God, although temporarily in the Old Testament, because Jesus hadn't died yet, uh, but it was a symbolism of the sacrifice of Jesus. And they'll bring two goats. The first lot will fall on the goat that is to be sacrificed. They would call that the sin offering. And that goat, the sinner will place his hand on that goat and would confess, um, uh, uh, you know, this sin. In fact, the first goat would die, would be sacrificed as a result of the consequences of the sinner's, uh, uh, you know, wrongdoing. Because the penalty of sin is death. So that, sac uh, that, that, that lamb would be killed as a result of the, uh, of the sinner that's supposed to have been punished. But then the other goat, uh, th there will be a confession of sin over that goat. And that goat will be sent in the wilderness, so to speak, to carry the sin of the sinner Far away, they don't see that goat again as a symbolism to say that the sin has been removed from the sinner and we can't see it again. Uh, in fact, you would love the word that is associated with that particular goat that is sent in the wilderness is known as the scapegoat or the remover. You know, that the sin has been removed uh, from the sinner and he can't see it again. 
And the same thing happens with Jesus. He was both our sin offering and scapegoat. He carried our sin. He died on a cross for our sin. But then he went up to the heavens where we don't see him in the same form again. And it's like our sins have been removed from us. And the Spirit persuades us that we now have a right standing with God. Not because of our performance, but because Jesus died and He took our sin in His own body on the cross and He dealt with sin and its punishment and we are scot-free in the blood of Jesus and we stand secure in a position of right standing with God and that can't be absorbed mentally that can't be convinced with emotionally the Spirit of God reveals the righteousness of Jesus over our life and the last thing the Spirit proves to the world that the enemy has been declared defeated he has been crushed on the cross and anyone that would belong to the enemy that will be separated from God they choose their own condemnation they stand condemned because they refuse the love of God and refuse to believe on Jesus the Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to move away from our old ways of separation and to bring us into a right standing with God. The second thing the Holy Spirit does because you can bring us to Jesus but if we are the same people we're inclined to the same sin and the same people who are weak to obey God and to live in His purposes and to, and to exhibit the image that He created us to bear. Well, what hope have we got? You know, the Spirit does something miraculous. He creates or regenerates or creates within us some new capacity a new nature and a new life. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. But the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, which means dear Daddy or Papa. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. He confirms the reality that we're God's children. He confirms and testifies and witnesses within us that we have been truly saved. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of, of the, the Son of His light. We are totally and utterly new creatures. When He recreates, He does three things. He gives us a divine nature. He gives us divine intimacy and He gives us divine appetite. You know from John 3 when Jesus said that whoever is born of the flesh is flesh and whoever is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the nature of God that comes by the indwelling of the Spirit and enables us to have two natures within us. God nature and human nature and this is written also in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we are partakers of divine nature and without that new nature we can't live the spiritual life. 
A pig can be like a dove or a sheep. You know, they have a pig nature. They don't have a sheep nature. And we can't connect with God in a divine way unless we have a divine nature. And that comes to us freely because of the death of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have been regenerated by the Spirit of God if you have received Jesus as Savior and Lord. Secondly, it gives us intimacy with the Father. Have you noticed it says that we can cry out to Him, Abba, Father. Again, in Galatians 4, 6, it speaks of the intimacy that the Spirit enables us to deal with God as a result of His indwelling within us. And He gives us a new appetite. In 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, Desire the milk of the Word by which you must grow. Now we have a new desire. Before coming to Jesus, before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, before the new nature, you didn't want the things of God. You desired the things of the world. You were attracted to the filth of the system of lusts and pleasures and every wicked thing. But when you come to Jesus, there is a new type of desire, a new type of longing that happens because you have a clean nature. A pig always desires the mud, but the sheep don't desire to row in the mud like the pigs and that's exactly what happened as we carry a new nature within us finally the spirit of god is the counselor uh, you know in in john 16 13 to 14 it again says but when the counselor comes it's in the rsv translation in john 15 26 it says when the counselor comes whom i shall send to you from the father even the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. You see, the Spirit of God is considered a counselor. In other translations, it is sp spoken of him as the comforter or the advocate, which means the same thing. Here he is a counselor. He's the one that comes to give us guidance and strength and teaches us all truth as it's written. It says, but when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You see here, there is a difference between someone guiding you to the truth and someone guiding you into all the truth. You see, you can bring the camel to water, but you can't force it to drink. You can bring someone to a house, but you can't force them to come in. You can bring someone to to some knowledge of the truth, but you can't persuade them to embrace it for what it is. The Spirit is all that we need for everything that comes after our regeneration, for all our Christian endeavors thereafter. And here are three simple just uh, uh, um, uh, simple activities that the Holy Spirit does as the counselor for every God-loving follower of Jesus. The first thing He reveals things.
things of God. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says the Spirit searches everything, everything that is uh, the deep things of God. And He enables us to see things that we couldn't see on our own accord. It's it's spoken of Him in in the book of Ephesians, a letter Paul wrote to the Ephesians or, uh, you know, a letter that went to different churches in that region. And he says, you know, he prays to the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, after coming to know God and after embracing Jesus as a savior and after being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you now can know God. You now can embrace who he really is. You're not guessing who he is. There is deep sense of God who reveals himself gradually to you. Jesus said to the disciples in John 17, there are, you know, when he was praying to the Father, he revealed the Father to them and he says, and I will continue to reveal. How? By the power of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit on the inside of us. You want to know more about God? You want to experience God? Ask the Spirit to reveal God to you in profound ways. The second thing, He guides us. The Spirit guides us because how many of us know that we are so prone to wonder and and, and go our own ways. You know, no wonder the scripture symbolizes the believer as sheep because sheep, uh, you know, they they known to, 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 to just go places on their own. And that's why they get lost easily. And they are weak. They, they can't self-defend themselves, right? And we too, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to take us from strength to strength, to direct us. You know, the scripture says that you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way walk in it. He will also convince us of the truth. You know, in these days in particular, there are so many brands of Christianity. There are so many uh, ideas and philosophies and different ideas that are communicated in theology. And we don't know, uh, you know, we get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But those who are connected to the Spirit, the Spirit of God guide us. He explains to us we have the anointing from above and that teaches us the truth. And in the truth, there is no lie. He really explains to us not just what is the right thing, but how to live the right thing. And finally, He strengthens us because you and I know that we're frail. We are vulnerable. The the spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. In our own capacity, we can't live life the way God intends us to live. We fail before temptations. We succumb before trials. We're scared before the attack of the enemy. We are are lost by our weaknesses in front of the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But the Spirit knows our weakness and He does not get embarrassed of us. In fact, when we are weak, the Spirit says that we are strong. You know, His His strength and His power is made perfect 
in our weakness. I want to share with you a scripture that I love and I'll share with you another time in the next episode. But here is what Paul says in Romans 8, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. The Spirit has your back. The Spirit has my back. When I fail, I can arise. When I sit in darkness, the Spirit will be a light to me. Every time we fail, the Spirit doesn't condemn us. The Spirit lifts us up. He says, I hold you. I uphold you. I strengthen you with my righteous right hand. I have got your back. I'm praying on your behalf. You don't know what to pray, but I'm praying for you. I guarantee your victory to be more than conqueror through Him who loved us. I pray that as you have seen the ministry of the Spirit, that He convicts us before we come to Christ, that He recreates us into a new type of people, a divine partakers of divine nature. And as you see that He guides us and He counsels us and He strengthens us throughout our Christian walk, that you'll be excited and inspired and say, why would I want to live life without the Spirit of God? I want to come. I want to embrace the Spirit. I want to know what it's like to have an experience and encounter of the Spirit of God and allow me to relate to Him. You might be asking, how do I relate to the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. That's exactly what we're going to address in our next episode. Until then, may the Spirit of God guide you and whisper His affection and affirmation to you until we see you, we love you, we pray for you. God bless you. See you next time.